Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Where They've Been. My name is Jeff, and I'm here with my co-host, Zach. How you doing, man? Jeffrey, I'm doing quite well. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good, man. It's great to be here with you. It's a little later than we usually meet, so we're both a little bit slap happy, but this I'm excited. Yep. I'm excited to be here. We got an incredible, incredible podcast for y'all tonight. Everybody so who's listening, tuning in, we're excited. We got uh, someone who I actually got to meet for the very first time this year in 2021. Her name's Monica Gonzalez, and she's a missionary. Um, she was a teacher before, just an incredible, incredible person. And so I absolutely love this interview. I know you did too. So I can't oh, wait to get into yeah. it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Monica Gonzalez. Maybe we can walk that road again. Take a little time to sit and listen. Hey, so uh, welcome to the Where They've Been podcast today. I have a very special guest. It's actually our first international episode, so that's super cool, uh, with my special guest, Monica Gonzalez. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for, for having me tonight. It's an honor yeah. to, to be on the show. Yes, this is so cool. So it's really cool because I actually got to meet you first time um, at Hope Church because uh, you're actually a missionary, which we'll get into. Uh, but we're recording this internationally because you're in uh, in South America right now, correct? I'm in Costa Rica right Costa now. Costa Rica. Okay. Yep. Yes. Gotta love it. In the library. Just loving it. Yes. Yep. In the library. Figured it's the quietest place. Um, so yeah. So I'm here in the library. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Actually, you know, what's cool is I remember uh, when we talked a little bit just about, hey, how's ministry stuff going and all that. And I looked on our little analytics and I was like, oh, we have a listener in Costa Rica. And hey, then you were like, yeah, I listened to the episodes. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I'm actually a fan of the show. So I was like geeky excited when you uh, when you asked if I would be on it, because I was like, wow, I really like this show. How, <laughs> who gets asked to be on a podcast that they enjoy? Yes. So, um, so thank you. Yeah, I um, I feel like I could cite a lot of episodes, um, but one of the first ones and one that has stuck with me was with Levi Koistra, mm -hmm. um, who is a mutual friend of ours. But I remember him saying um, on there that he and his wife strive to live a secretly amazing life and yeah. that changed my life yeah um and it's something that I continually think about um I'd say every other day I it's something I think about this live a secretly amazing life yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah so I love the show thanks for having me <laughs> yes thank you and that quote from Levi was incredible I feel like he just is like in the conversation with you and then he'll start saying stuff and you're like okay I mean like what what are we doing here this isn't fair like you're saying yeah. stuff that just is like, you're just having a conversation and then all of a sudden everyone's lives are changed. I feel the exact same. I wrote that down. I have it in my notes and I thought about it so many times. So cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Cool. Well, I want to get into your story. So where did you, so right now, obviously you're in Costa Rica and we'll get to, I'd love to kind of hear that whole journey, how you got there, but where did you actually grow up? Like where did your origin story start? Yeah. So I grew up 
um, on the south side of Chicago, right near Midway Airport. Okay. Um, actually, um, so close, in fact, that my whole childhood, like planes would fly right over our car whenever we were going anywhere. Really? Um, and really close to, to our home. And so, um, yeah, so right by Midway Airport. So Chicago girl all the way. Um, and awesome. have spent most of my life there outside of um, working internationally and um, college and things like that. But yeah, Chicago. So. That's awesome. So you grew up in the South side. Are you a Cubs or a White Sox fan? Oh, I'm, I'm so South side. I'm white, white Sox all the way. <laughs> oh, so today at the time of this recording is heartbreak because they've lost. You know what? I I'm a really bad fan. I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so you just, Oh, sorry. White Sox. <laughs> yeah. There you but, go. It's news to me. There you go. No, that's awesome. Okay, cool. So how was growing up in that part of town? So Midway, what I know the Midway area, but like, what's actually the city that is, or what city did you grow up in? Um, Central Stickney, which is like, technically, like, it's weird, because it's a little square mile-ish that's like surrounded on all sides by Chicago. Really? It's like unincorporated Chicago, which is really weird, because it's just this little bitty thing, again, that's all four sides surrounded by Chicago. So I don't know how to explain that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Central Stickney, and um, it was a great area to grow up in. There were a lot of, um, a lot of great. There was just a great diversity of, of families. We had a lot of Polish families, a lot of Hispanic families. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like it was such a great um, little taste of the world in in my neighborhood, and yeah, yeah so it was a really great place to grow up. Really lively. Um, there were always a lot of baseball games in the neighborhood. Sure. There were always um, a lot of kids just running around, um, playing. So it was, it was a great place to grow up. Yeah. You felt like that kind of prepared you for, or I guess shaped your mindset about even what you do now, right? Like you live in a little area and kind of surrounded by so many different people. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I didn't realize that until, um, until I was an adult and thought, oh, wow, that was a really unique experience. Yeah, for sure. With people all over the world. I mean, in just in our little area, I could, you know, go get uh, Middle Eastern food or Mexican food or Polish food, or, I mean, it was just kind of like the whole world was there or Mm -hmm. Vietnamese food, you know? And so, um, so yeah. And I, I didn't realize that that isn't the normal experience for most people. For Um, sure. And so, yeah, so I definitely think it shaped me because I was used to being around people with different ideas, different backgrounds, mm-hmm. different foods, different languages. Yeah. Um, so for sure, I think I didn't even realize it was forming me um, in that way, but it was. So. That's so cool. Yeah. And I think that's, it's really kind of a cool way to grow up. It's Chicago. That's one of the things I love about it is it's such like a, there's so many different people here. It's incredible. And it's such a, such a cool thing. One of the things that people have always said, about Chicago, but I've never actually asked someone who like literally grew up like right in there is you kind of identify yourself more by like a, a street than a city. You know what I mean? Is this true? Yes, I I would say so. Okay. Um, Yeah, for sure. Um, because when I think of home, I think of cross streets in the neighborhood I grew up in. So I think of Harlem, I think of Cicero, I think of central, Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's true. That's so cool. It's such like, it. I don't know why it just feels like more of a community. You know what I mean? 
Like you're not like, oh, I'm from this big city, but I'm from, you know, I'm on Cicero in 152nd or something. You know what I mean? Like that's my street. You know, I just think that's so cool. I don't know why, but. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it's maybe because I grew up in like a south of Chicago and I, I mean, I grew up like 45 minutes south. So like okay. south but like farther south than you think, you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, you're like all the way where there's cornfield around me. You know what I mean? What neighborhood did you grow up in? I grew up in a little town called Piatone. So where the Frankfurt campus is, I'm like 15 minutes south. That's where we grew up. Okay, awesome, great. But you know, like when you're somewhere else, you always say you're from Chicago, even though I'm certainly not. But like you say you're, because it's just easier than being like, well, you know, you know I'm going to have to give you a 20 minute story about something you don't care about you know what I mean mm -hmm. okay absolutely absolutely yeah. so growing up there and kind of having a good experience and then how did you get from like where you are there to where you are now did you go to school for ministry or what kind of because you're a missionary now so how did all that come together yeah um well I'll try and condense it um no <laughs> I mean go for it feel free um, so when I was in high school, um, I went to a Christian high school called Walter Lutheran Okay. and I had grown up in church, but I really hadn't made my own personal decision to serve Jesus. Sure. Um, and when I was 15, um, I was at a youth conference and was radically changed by the love of Jesus. It was my first personal encounter, hmm. um, where I felt like, oh my goodness, this thing is real. Jesus is real. Um, and I need to make a decision. And so, um, so at that point I decided to, to follow Jesus personally. And around that time, I remember, I just started telling everyone I'm going to be a missionary. And I don't know if you, I, you know, some people call that calling some people, sure. um, call it purpose. I don't, you know, I'm not sure even how to categorize it other than I just decided shortly hmm. after that, I'm going to be a missionary. And it was so weird because um, the church I grew up in was great. Everybody loved the Lord. Um, but we didn't have a lot of missionaries. And so I didn't really even know what I was saying. Right. Really like a frame of reference. Meant. Right. I didn't have much of a frame of reference. I really, um, I really only knew that missionaries go to other countries to share the gospel. And that was hmm. really, it. um, and so that was, that just sort of always became a a dream, um, or a calling. And then mm -hmm. when I went to college, um, I remember my major was special education. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll just, I'll get my, my degree and then I will teach, pay off my loans. And then I'm going to go straight to the mission field. Hmm. Where and, did you go to um, school? Illinois state university. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah. So not far at all. Yeah. Um, and I loved my job. And, um, and so that one year of, I'm just going to teach here and pay off my loans, um, turned into two years and three years and four years and so, and so on and so really? on. Um, and I mean, that's a great thing because I loved what I did. I mean, yeah. I loved my students. I loved, um, their families, you know, and mm -hmm. getting to know them over the years. I loved my school district. Everything about that job was wonderful. And mm -hmm. I really loved my years there. My coworkers were great. I mean, it was just like, it was really the, the dream in that, like, who gets to do a job that they love with people they love. And right. um, that's just great across the board. But I remember that that, it was like a burning desire 
for mm. missions that I couldn't shake every year. I felt like I, I have to go. I have to, I'm supposed to be a missionary, mm. but I think I just, I loved my job so much that it was so hard to let go. Sure. Um, and so I really struggled with it for years. And I remember finally, um, being in my classroom and just going, just having this moment where I was like, okay, I'm going to wake up and be 85 and realize that I never did what was burning inside of me for mm. all these years. And, um, what I feel like is a God given calling and, at, and I thought that's horrible. That's terrible. You know? <laughs> True. And then yeah. I started to think like, okay, what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is I hate it. It's awful. They fire me, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I come back to a job that I absolutely love with people I love in a right. district I love. And so I thought, okay, that's really not that bad. Like exactly. Why not at least try? Mm-hmm. Um, so I resigned um, and applied to be a missionary and was accepted and began the whole itineration process um, and all of that. Served in Ecuador for a little while, um, came home. Now I'm in Costa Rica. But yeah, it really just, I had, I had to make a decision to burn the ships then or I knew I wasn't going to. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's super interesting. I would love to hear your opinion on this too, because I think a lot of people have a burning desire either to do ministry or to do something and whatever that is, maybe it's business, maybe it's, um, you know, I want to do some specific entrepreneur thing, but they just don't do it. And I've, I've talked to specific people that are like in their sixties now. And they're like, yeah, I wanted to do ministry. I wanted to do this or that. And I never did it. So what do you think like maybe was the catalyst for you? Was it just looking ahead or what do you think it was that really kind of pushed you, I guess, to burn the ship? You know, I, I don't know that I have an answer for what it was that finally made me, you know, made me take the leap. Um, other than just that, that fear of, of hitting that point and realizing that I never, never fulfilled God's calling. Um, so I don't know that I have an exact, an exact moment or thing that made me do it, but I would like to encourage somebody who's in that place right. um, that you said maybe feels like they have a burning desire or, um, or a calling, you know, God will make a way. We're so mm. afraid. We're so afraid because there's so much security, um, in what we're doing. There was so much security in my job. Right. Um, it paid well. I had a beautiful apartment that I loved. My life was stable. I had rhythms and community, um, loved my church. I mean, there's so much security there. Um, but the truth is the only real security is found in, in Jesus anyway. Yeah. And so, um, I just want to encourage anybody who's listening that isn't sure Jesus is your security. God will make a way. Um, if he has called you to that, he will make a way he will provide for you. Um, you don't have to worry, um, about whatever it is that you're leaving behind or whatever, concerns or fears you have, he will make a way yeah. and he will continue making a way, um, in every moment, every day, every season. Um, he's never going to stop being faithful. He is mm -hmm. only and always faithful. Yeah. And so you can count on that. 
And if he's put that in your heart, go for it. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's like, you just got to go for it, you know, but I do think like, it is very difficult, like you said, to leave a job that is that secure. Like, that I think just even the reality, I was just seeing this thing that like, I think like 3% of people, it, I may be wrong on this. Um, someone can fact check me, but like, it's like nationwide or worldwide are changing careers. Like they're quitting their job and changing careers right now. And I don't know if that has to do with COVID or if it has to do like, because their priorities are different or whatever, but people are like making a shift. And I, I really don't know why, like I haven't looked into any reason why but I know there's a lot of people doing that and I think a lot of times we just end up waiting for the right moment and I, I was talking to someone recently who was like I won't move on to the next thing until I feel like I've completely mastered and figured every single thing out for this thing and I was like yeah I agree there's some wisdom in that but there's also a part of faith that is you stepping into the unknown you know what I mean? Is you kind of, because like for people who are listening to this, when you talk about itineration, like that's a difficult process. Yes, for sure. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I was a missionary through Chi Alpha, but like barely a missionary because I couldn't raise any money, like just a little bit, you know what I mean? So, because I was such a terrible fundraiser, I would make the worst missionary in the world. But I just think it's like, it's a difficult thing to step into, to step from security to absolute reliance on God is a huge, huge step. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's so scary. Yeah. Uh, it's so scary, but God has just been faithful every step of the way. Yeah. Itineration is no joke <laughs> talking about, you know, you're like, okay, I hope I can raise enough money where I can actually get paid. <laughs> like, right. Right. I don't know. It's, right. it's so scary. And I'm the worst fundraiser. Cause I am not a I'm not a salesperson at sure. all. I'm just like, hey, if you want to support me, cool. If you don't, it's totally fine. Yes. Like, I yes. get it. So I'm just like, for for me, I know it's, I don't know, it's it's still difficult. It never gets easier. Yes. Um, like, That's hey, will funny. you support me? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it's a difficult thing to do for those of you, for anyone who's listening who's never like had to raise money for something before. It's a difficult thing to do because you're really asking money for yourself now it's for the cause but a lot of it's hard to see the vision sometimes i abby would do the same thing when we would go out and ask people for support and i would give my whole pitch and then she would always like bookend it with but you don't have to <laughs> and i was always like what are you doing stop saying that you know what i mean like if you keep saying that we're going to have to keep working three jobs each, you know what I mean? Like, it's so, so true. Yeah. yeah, it's just that mind of, it's that mindset. I think it's, it's, it's like, Hey, like, am I good enough to do this? And I think that's a big, that's a big question too, as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, um, it definitely requires a shift in, um, in putting your security in God, because part of what that revealed for me, I think was a lot of insecurity mm. and what you talked about with not feeling good enough. Like, is it, are you sure you want to support me? Like, right. I don't really know if, if I, if I'll be a good missionary, you know, like, you're right. just kind of, I don't know. And I think, and I have not arrived by any means, but I think what it has taught me is that 
my security and calling come from him. And I have to trust that. Right. Um, but yeah, but it is so hard because I'm, I'm just like that. I'm like, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> if you don't want to. <laughs> That's so cool that you got to, I mean, it's cool that you're able to make that process and make that shift and, and be able to kind of minister to people now. So what did you do? You said you spent some time in Ecuador, correct? Yeah. So my first term, um, was in Ecuador. Okay. And, um, so there were several, several sort of facets to that. Um, one was I led the MK school. Okay. And so, um, because, um, where I worked was in a little tiny jungle town. And so there was no, um, adequate schooling program for the missionary kids. Um, who were stationed there with their families. Sure. And um, they needed to obviously be able to return to the States to attend university and college um, and and compete at at that level. And so so they needed an American teacher to come in and handle handle the the schooling program there. And so that was part of of my role there was um, as education coordinator with all ages, K to 12, um, and just teaching, um, kind of coaching them, Mm -hmm. coaching older ones through some of their work, um, but just running the school. And then another part of that was working at something called the Hope House. Okay. So um, that was really cool. We had um, a a home for, uh, when I left, I think we were at 60 girls, um, all from different jungle communities. Okay. And um, they were all coming out of difficult situations and they varied. Um, some had been, um, sexually abused. Some were orphaned. Both parents had died and they didn't have family to, to take care of them. Um, some were in families. I remember one was in a family where her mother just had so many children that she said, look, I just, I can't take care of all of them right now. Um, I need some help. And so we stepped in and were able, um, to help take care of her daughter, obviously in a safe place. And what was so cool about that was, um, well, a million things, but just watching <laughs> the, the transformation in, in those girls, because they had come from, um, a variety of, of traumatic situations, um, mm. backgrounds that, that were just horrific. And, um, or desperately sad. And yet to watch the way that encountering Jesus changed them was amazing. Wow. Um, it was so cool. And so I, I remember when they would come in, um, cause every year we would have like the new year begin new cycle of girls moving in. Okay. Um, and I remember you could spot the new girls from like a mile away because mm. they would just look like distraught, terrified, wow. sad, um, hunched over. And within a few months of living at the Hope House, it was just incredible. Their whole demeanor would change. Um, I mean, I feel like it was almost unbelievable to, to realize that these were the same girls because they mm. were so filled with, with joy. They were so much more confident. They weren't hunched over. They'd be dancing in the living room, you know, all Friday night and just playing with their yes. friends reading their Bibles. I mean, it was just like wild and so cool. So cool to see. Um, and so I feel like I'm talking in circles, but the, no. purpose, of, <laughs> the, 
So the purpose of the home was to give them a safe place yeah. to live. Um, and so while there, they, they obviously lived in our home, but they also attended school full-time, um, went to church several times a week um, and had several um, missionaries just kind of pouring into them, mentoring them. Um, and so it was just such a, such a cool experience, but, but yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's incredible. So you said 60 girls were usually the, so like, did they have a specific amount of time that they were there? Like, okay, it's like a, you're here for a year or is it like, how, how did that work? That's a great question. Um, so for everybody, it was different because, um, they could be accepted into the program at any time, but at the time of their high school graduation, um, they would graduate out of the Hope House. So if they were accepted at like age 11, they could potentially be there for many years until, mm. you know, 18, um, sometimes 19, depending on when they finish high school. Um, but then other girls are accepted at 15, 16. And so they're just there a couple years. Okay. So it really just depends on when they when they apply or someone applies on their behalf and when they're accepted, um, how, hmm. how long they're there. Okay. But wow. So that you provide a safe space for them, for some of them, seven years, seven, eight years. That's a long time. Yeah. And, and it's so neat because what I love about it is there is such a huge team of amazing women pouring into them. Hmm. And so there are, um, missionary women. Um, but there are also, other so all of the girls are from the Shuar tribe in Ecuador and so we had many Shuar women who were just wonderful Christian ladies many of them pastors wives who were on staff full-time um, mm. also just pouring into the girls and so it was so neat because you just had this this great diversity um, of of women who were just there and um, and their whole purpose and desire was to help these girls to heal and grow, and most importantly, to know Jesus and the yes. hope that we have in Him. And so, um, so yeah, so that was just such a such a neat experience. That's absolutely incredible. I love the picture of what you said, like just after even a couple months, like that they're not hunched over. You know, like even that like picture is like what it's all about. Like because I I just imagine like coming in from just these terrible situations, and then you see people, but that that's like what the church should be right? You come around, take people who are broken, take people who are hurting, and you really bring hope, you bring life, you bring like security, you know, you bring love, like that's, wow, that's unbelievable. Absolutely. It was, it was great. I just remember like, watching them, I don't know, watching them get filled with joy was so neat, because they'd be, yes. I remember they'd be at church, and the whole crowd of them would all be singing so loudly and I would just think this is incredible I mean mm -hmm. this is a taste of heaven um it would just be so beautiful especially you know when you know each of their stories and you can look at them and go yeah, yeah I know what you went through I know what you went through and yet they're all I mean they're their hands up singing at the top of their lungs worshiping the Lord and yeah it, it was just incredible to watch um to watch and experience and just to I mean, even get to be a part of it at all. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a perseverance that I'll never know. Like, that's unbelievable that they fought through all that to get to this place. Like, that's a perseverance that only they know. And they only people who have been through that situation 
And that's just so powerful. So, so powerful. So thank that's so cool. Like, I love that. If there's any way that we can support that, we should, anyone on here should do that because that's so cool. So you were there and you actually taught school and then mentored as well, correct? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I taught school during the day, um, with missionary kids okay. and, then, um, and would work with them. And then in the evenings, um, I was not every evening, but various evenings, I was either at the Hope House or at church helping with something. And Love then it. I had the overnight shift on Friday nights. So that was a blast too, because on Friday nights, I got to hang with them a lot more and, and that was really fun. So, yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Ecuador Hope House, if anybody is interested in supporting them, like you mentioned, it's great. Yes. Great place. Yes, we can support them like just directly. Yes, there's, um, I don't know the, oh, this is horrible. I don't know the actual like giving link off the top of my head. Well, we but can put the I link know. in the description. Let's okay, do that. Awesome. Yeah. We'll do that. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So if you're listening to this right now, you should swipe on down to the link in the description and just pop it on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. That's so cool. I love that. So what what drew you away from kind of that position to where you are now in Costa Rica? Yeah. So a couple of things. One was just um, my term was ending. Okay. And um, and actually, I extended it a little bit, um, but my term was supposed to end in March, or I'm sorry, in February, and I extended it until March. Okay. Um, and I remember. A couple things. One is just praying, like Lord, what is next? Um, like, what is where sh- should I come back? Like, should I not? Whatever. And I really felt like it was so interesting because I felt like those last several months had been so fruitful. Whereas the first like year and a half had been so hard. You know, just mm. kind of like getting accustomed culturally language. I didn't know any Spanish when I arrived. And so just learning language, learning culture, um, kind of getting in the groove of what it's like to live in a little jungle town instead of Chicago, you yeah. know, um, making friends, you know, like having, I think credibility with people had been so hard. And I feel like that last six months, it was just like breakthrough city, like yeah. everything good was happening that I'd been praying for. And yeah. so I was like, surely I'm supposed to come back. Like, surely this is the thing. And I feel like every single time I prayed about it, I just like, felt this strong no and I was like mm. so weird like I don't really get this um because I feel like this is like everything's I feel like it's breakthrough city like everything's happening you know like my students are doing better than they've ever done like they're just doing incredible like they're making mm. so many games they're so on track like I'm so proud of them and um <laughs> I finally know what I'm doing on my overnight shift you know <laughs> like I can finally communicate you know all yes. the things um, I feel like I finally have some credibility with these people that I've been, you know, desperately trying to right. build with, you know? Yes. And so I just really didn't understand. And I just thought like, Lord, why? Like, and so that was, was one part of it. Um, but what's crazy about that is I understood almost immediately when I got home, cause I came home on March 1st. And as you know, yeah. the world shut down. Like, oh my goodness. Later. In fact, within days of me leaving the, equi- the airport in Quito, I could see online dudes in like full hazmat gear um, at, at the airport in Quito. And I remember thinking, I barely made it out. No wonder. Oh my goodness. I barely made it out. And then. I didn't even think about that when you first started about talking about the timeline. You said February, then March. That's nuts. It's nuts. I mean, it was like within days 
Ecuador shut down. And then within two weeks, the state shut down. And it's not that, you know, I'm sure God would have provided if I had extended or was planning to return or whatever, but almost immediately I went, oh, like, I'm so sorry for questioning this yeah. ever. Yeah. Holy cow. Like, and you know, none of us knew how long it would go. Right. But just going, oh, okay. So this is like, this is why. Um, but also I think I, I was so exhausted and burned out and didn't even know it. I think I just thought, no, this is just, um, like, this is just ministry. And I wasn't keeping healthy rhythms. Mm. I wasn't keeping a Sabbath. And so even though I was reading my Bible and praying and doing other things, there were things I wasn't making enough space for, for health and ministry. Mm. And so I think I was way more burned out than I thought I was. And I think I needed that time. and didn't even realize how much. Hmm. Um, so let me ask that. you a question. Do you know, like, do you dive into like personality tests or anything like that? So what do you know anything about the Enneagram? Yes. I love the Enneagram. I'm a nine. <laughs> okay. You are a nine. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. My wife is a nine as well. So she gets burnt out and she is like the nines are, I love them. Cause they're like the people who feel empathy more than anybody else. They're like the greatest like friends, but then I feel like they get so burdened because they take on everyone else's burden that then they don't even realize how burnt out they are. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm like dead. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm so dry. Like that's, that's very interesting. But I want to add like, so obviously you got to that place of like burnout. What do you think? Like, cause it, no one ever wants to get there. Right. I've got there myself several times. It's a conscious or it's, it's not a conscious decision to be like, I'm going to burn myself out. You know, like we all know that's like, that's, that's silly, but like, what do you think? Like, ends up is it just i'm trying to work in ministry or whatever like i think you can burn out in any job like i i think the reality of actually we just talked about sabbath this past sunday at church and i said like god set a rhythm you know hey we work six we rest one you know and we so we when's the last time you rested and so he really set a rhythm and it wasn't just a, Hey, this is something it was woven into our DNA. Like if you don't rest, you will burn out. You will make terrible decisions. So how do you feel like you got to that place? And how do you feel like maybe you've come from that place? Well, I think what you mentioned about nines is important. And at the time I didn't really know about the Enneagram, mm. um, but it's helped me understand a lot because yeah, I think I just kept taking on, Oh, well, this is so important. That's so important. Um, mm -hmm. This is important too. No, I, I should be at that thing. I know I'm supposed to be off today, but you know, I really, it's important for me to be there for like the girls at the Hope House, for example, sure. you know, or, um, and those, those are important things. Um, but I think I was like, oh no, I, I should be at this event. And so I think for me, it was part of, it was exactly that. It was, I think, uh, just feeling too much, you know, mm. like, Oh, I, I need to help there and help there and help there. And, um, and I don't know that I have a solution for the way out of it, other than just deciding to be obedient to the Sabbath and just saying, mm -hmm. no, this is going to be a priority. I am going to make it happen. Um, which is what I had to do and just say, you know what? I am not the savior. Jesus is the only savior. Yeah. Amen. And so, yeah. And so I need to follow the rhythm of that rest and, um, and follow God's plan for that and trust that he has everything under control. And, um, 
that I don't, that I don't have to have to try and, and be him, you yeah. know, be everywhere yeah. all the time. That's um, so good. That's not what I've been called to, you know? Right. And so, um, yeah. So that's awesome. Choosing obedience. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say it's super simple, but it's really true. And we always try to make it more complicated than it is. So you're like, I don't really have an answer other than I decided to start being obedient. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> pretty simple and you know like but let me ask you if you feel okay sharing like what does sabbath look like for you yeah so now um i have a day um regularly every week with my schedule now um and previous previously it's been it's been different depending on where i was or sure but with the rhythm of my job now um i have one day a week that i set aside and as much as possible i try not to plan really anything. Um, and just make it a day of rest. Um, make it a day where I can just kind of move slow, drink some extra coffee, Mm. read. Um, yeah, I try not to run errands. I try not to, which is so hard. I'm like, I, I have this whole day, you know, I need to go do this, this, and this, but I've just decided I am not going to do extra things. I am going to rest because this is the only way to stay healthy. Mm. And it is God's plan for staying healthy. My plan is never going to be better. You know, (laughs) whatever I come up with is never going to be better than his plan. Yeah. Um, So yeah, so it just looks like kind of keeping a clear schedule and also trying to keep a clear heart and head. Mm. Um, And so yeah, that's, that's what it looks like for me. (laughs) That's so cool. Well, I, I love like asking people what it looks like, because I think that if you like legitimately do it the way you are, like that's a discipline. Like that's a very difficult because you, like you said, you have to not, you have to choose not to run errands. You have to choose, like you have to plan the other six days and actually pack probably more into those days to make this day, you know, um, a restful day. And for anyone who's listening and you're like, I've never heard of the Sabbath before. Well, it's actually in the Bible and it's one of the commandments. um, And, you know, it comes from this Hebrew word that means Shabbat, which means to stop and to delight. So it, you see it in the creation story where, where God stops on the seventh day. It said that he stopped and he delighted in what was good. And you see it all throughout, you know, throughout Israel. If you, you see Jesus, you see all these different places in the scripture where they're having the Shabbat, where they're stopping and they're resting and they're worshiping in God. And one of my favorite authors, pastors, people is Pastor John Mark Comer. And you're a big John Mark Comer fan? Oh, yes. Please keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because like, this is straight from his book. He has two books. If you're out there, you need to read these books is Garden City and The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, because both of those books are incredible. Have you read those? I've not read those, but I'm reading his new one, um, Live No Lies. Really? Is it good? It's phenomenal. And I love... I've heard him talk about Sabbath, but yeah, keep going, please. Yeah, no, he, he kind of breaks it down. It's really good in his book. And this is a lot of his stuff, but he, he breaks it down. Um, and he talks about like working, like we need to work. We're wired actually to work. And in garden city, he actually talks about how you will have a job in heaven, which a lot of people would be like, my job is hell. Well, unfortunately, whether you're going to heaven or hell, you're going to have a job. So, um, but yeah, it's just this day to rest. And we talked about this last week and there's so many different questions that come up to it. And I think that's the beauty of 
the um, Sabbath is that it's really a non, how he puts it in his book is it's a non-legalistic time. So it's not like, okay, I need to wake up at 4am and pray for six hours. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's like, how can you rest and delight in what God has done for you? And his argument through the book and through all these different things and People have said Dallas Willard, John Tyson is another one of my favorite pastors, authors. Like they always talk about this as like, this is a resistance to your sin, to the world, to this machine that's telling you to move forward. So first of all, that's so cool that you have it like marked out. I'll tell you right now, I don't have it marked out exactly how I should. And I've been feeling crazy convicted. As you can tell, I'm like looking into everything about it. So I'm like feeling crazy convicted, but I need to, I need to set aside more time for that rest. So that's really cool. I commend you. Like that's not easy to do. Yeah. I think I'm still, I'm still learning. So yeah. have not mastered it, but I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. I, I could talk about Sabbath, like different ideas and stuff. Maybe it's because I just did a sermon on this past week, but I could probably talk about it for the next two and a half hours. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. It's a great topic. Yeah. I remember um, years ago I was in seminary and I remember nobody had really like drilled into me like, no, this is a commandment and it's important. And I remember I was at, um, right. I was a student at Moody actually. And I remember my professors always talking about like, no, this is a command. And that was the first time I had really encountered it. And I was like, oh, wow, no, this is, this is important. This is true. But it was, I had never encountered it in, in my Christian life until, until seminary. So I'm glad we're talking about it. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So talked about a lot. You're a hundred percent right. I literally like, I looked back and I was like, how many sermons have I heard on this throughout my life? And Mm -hmm. I can count them on one hand and it's literally zero because I've never heard a sermon on it. Right? Yeah. It's just something we don't talk about enough. I feel like if it was ever talked about, it was talked about in this kind of semantics of, well, you need to come to church. And I'm like, uh, not really sure that's what it's meaning, but (laughs) I mean, it's a part of it, but like, not really sure. It's the whole thing of like, we need to make sure you're at church and you're here on time. You know what I mean? Like, So I feel like that's the only thing I ever heard said maybe two or three times. But like, as far as like you said, like, it's a legit command, like it's stuck in between honor your father and mother and don't use the Lord's name in vain. And it's like, so (laughs) yes. So do we do we do those? Or if we don't do if we don't do this one, then shouldn't we do none of them? You know what I mean? It's kind of interesting when you think about it that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's glad we're talking about it because it's a big deal that that we don't always, as a broad church, um, like a nationwide church, do a good job of, of talking about. Agreed. Like the big C church. Like, yeah, yeah we don't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's certain churches and certainly uh, certain people that talk about it and, and, you know, it seems like they, you know, orient their life around it because mm-hmm. they want to, you know, tr- like, I think it, what I've heard you say multiple times again and again, even so far in this conversation is, I just need to trust in Jesus. I just need to trust in Jesus. I'm just going to trust in Jesus. Like that's a theme. So like that's part of it is actually stopping. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
So you're into, you made, you were in the process of making the decision when I cut you off. Sorry. So, and oh, then wow. you're like, okay, no, I'm going to come back home. So then how did you get from COVID home, everything shut down to Costa Rica? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was crazy because I was like, I was like, okay, I think I'm done. Like maybe that calling was just for a season. Sure. Um, I can see that it was fruitful. Um, God used it um, for sure in my life to transform me. Um, and I thought, okay, I've seen some fruit just in where I've served a little bit. Um, I feel like I'm using Christianese fruit is a really weird thing. I think I've seen some value. There you uh, go. Yeah. Serving. Um, why do all these Christians eat so much fruit? I know. know? Why do you keep talking about that? Do you really like apples? <laughs> I saw fruit in Ecuador. Oh man. Uh, I mean, I'm you could pick it off any tree. That's what I love about traveling the world. When we would go and they'd be like, just take a fruit off a tree. And I'm like, what? That's theft. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're yeah. like, no, it's a tree in the jungle. Just take the fruit off of it and eat it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So I feel like I was starting to see like value added from the time that I was there. And I was like, okay, I feel like, you know, God had a purpose for that. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've been deeply transformed. Um personally. And so I thought, okay, maybe that was like what that was for. And I'm going to go back and, sure. and maybe teach again, or maybe do something else. But, you know, I, I feel like it was a clear no and that time is over. And so obviously the world shut down. Um, and I had started to apply for teaching jobs, but nothing was happening because everybody was right. making a shift to like online teaching. Right. And at first, yeah, at, at that time, nobody was, was really hiring. Um, and so it was just this kind of weird, okay, like, what do I do? And, um, and I ended up getting, getting another job, which was awesome and fun. Um, but how I ended up in Costa Rica was, um, I was praying actually about missionary kids, um, who I'd worked with before, but I was in my home, just at, at my house praying. Um, and I couldn't stop praying for missionary kids. It was like this weird, almost just like compulsion. Mm. Um, where I just was walking around, just, I, Lord, I pray for, um, their social, you know, their social health, like, you know, help them have friends when they're overseas and far from home. And I, mm. I was just praying for all the things about them, you know, help them emotionally, help them with their school, help them with all these transitions that they have in their yeah, lives. So many countries. Yeah. Help them with this and that. And I'm just praying and praying and praying. Um, and I felt like the, the immediate thought I had as I was praying was it was just like this weird, like pause, like, well, you could keep praying about this or you could do something about it. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I mean, I felt like I got like punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. And what was interesting was I can't even tell you how many missionaries had contacted me when I was, I was already home. I was done with missions. I was in Chicago and I was getting regular calls, emails, Facebook messages, like, hey, there's this position in Costa Rica. They really need a teacher for their MKs there. They have an MK school and their teacher um, has just uh, moved to a different, moved on to a different position. And so they really need somebody. We think you'd be a good fit. And it was like everybody and every single person I was like, oh, thank, that's, thanks. That's so nice. No, I'm not interested. Or like, <laughs> Yeah, I'll think about it. Right, and but not like, really. No. But yeah, thanks. And I was like, just kidding, you know. I think I'm done. Like, I'm going to be in Chicago, you know. And so I had shut down every single person that had asked. Um, 
And so, and that, but I, I knew that that position was available, but I had already shut down everybody in the world that had, <laughs> that sure. asked about it. But I thought, okay, this is, this is a decision moment here. Like I, I can keep praying about it and prayer is effective and prayer is good, but I'm also in a position to do something about it. Sure. Um, and so I talked, I talked with some just close mentors and friends in the Chicago area, people, um, that I look up to and respect and just said, Hey, what do you think about this? Mm. Like, this is what I'm tossing around. I don't know if this is, I don't really know what this is and kind of just help me process it. And what do you think? You know, what is, do you have any wisdom to share? Yeah. What would you say? Um, you know, just, I just need an outside perspective and a wise perspective. Yeah. That's um, so important. That's like, that's huge. That's so cool that you went to those people and asked that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so that, and, um, I mean, well, there, I feel like there were so many things happening at that time, but that was a big part of it, um, was, was just that, that prayer moment and then talking to people. And so then I, I, I called the director here, um, at, at the school that I work at. It's a school within a school. Okay. Um, so it's a language school for missionaries. Um, and then I, I run the, the school for kids. Okay. Um, but I called the director of the school um, or emailed, I don't remember, I contacted him somehow and I didn't know him at all, but I just said, hey, like uh, I heard this, there's this position, would you just tell me about it? So just kind of looking into it. Um, I didn't apply, didn't um, ask for it, just tell me a little bit about it. And so we were communicating a little bit. And then at some point he and his wife um, called or emailed, I don't remember that either, but they called or emailed and said, hey, um, we would really like to invite you to apply for the position. Um, and we'd like to invite you here to, to teach. Um, That's so cool. And so I was like, okay, uh, well, sure. But then they were like, we also need you here like now. And I was <laughs> like, okay. Um, because typically you, you have, and you need at least a year to, to itinerate or raise mm -hmm. your funds for your term. And they were, what they said was, you know, we, we need somebody now. Um, we have a lot of kids coming in and they did, I think at the time it was like 18 or something like that. Oh, wow. We have nobody. Um, and so I remember just being like, oh man, and not in an arrogant way, but just telling God, like, Hey God, like, if you want me to do this, like you're going to have to itinerate for me. Yeah. Because there's no way, like it took a, it took the whole year last time. Yeah, exactly. You know, like there's no way I can spin this fast. And I feel like it was just a miracle. Like God completely provided and came through because as you know, churches book like six months to a year in advance Sure. Um, with missionaries, obviously they have to keep a calendar, but I remember they were like, no, we need you here now. And I'm thinking like, who in the world is going to be like now? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is crazy. And especially um, in the middle of COVID too. Yes. Okay. And that's the other thing. So like everybody, every other missionary's services are being canceled, of course, because churches aren't having in-person service. And so I was just like, Lord, you're going to have to do this because there is just no way. And at this point I had $0 in support because I had ended my term completely. Oh, like wow. I and it had been a while. Like I was not a missionary at all. I had another job. Um, and so I was like, I'm starting from zero again. This is wild. Like that is I remember wild. just 
Yeah, it, it was crazy. But I remember like writing letters to all these pastors, you know, like, so when you're a missionary, you have to send out all these like packets to pastors that say like, this is who I am. This is like what I'll be doing, you know, to try and um, ask for their support. And I remember writing all these like letters to every pastor, like, hey, uh, I know this is a really weird request, but like, they want me there now. And like, yeah, <laughs> let me still support me, you know? So that was weird, but the Lord just so came through. I think this is the craziest thing I've heard of. I don't know if other missionaries have had this experience, but my whole itineration, I think I only had like three or four services and was completely provided for wow. in a crazy short period of time. Um, and it was just the Lord. It was really just, the, it was really just God because it was impossible. And yet God just came through and was like, no, I got you girl. Like, yeah, come on. So it was, it was crazy, but so like four services, like a month of services basically. And they Holy weren't all smokes. Together, but it was like, yeah, it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was just four. I'm trying to think, but I, I think it was only four. And what's so funny is like three of those were in our like church network in the whole yeah. church network. And so it was like, Oh my goodness. It was just God. It was yeah. literally just God. And um, just, yeah, I, I still have no explanation other than God is faithful and where he calls you, he will provide even in yes. a pandemic, even if, even if it's crazy, if he has called you to that, he will do it. Um, wow. so I don't know. God is good. <laughs> that's incredible. Like four services. Yeah. And like you said, three within the hope network. That's so cool. <laughs> and then, um, like, so you had to get down there basically for the school year this year. Yeah. Well, actually they had already started. It was like, so they just kind of had people coming in trying to cover. Um, okay, and they had sure. somebody like substitute. Yeah. yeah. They had somebody part-time, um, but they had, they had just started. And so um, I think they started in January and I got here in March. Okay. So wow. they had, when I got here, the kids had been going for, for a little while, but yeah, it, it was crazy. So <laughs> Wow. So what's that been like? So it's been, it's been almost seven months then seven months. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to do math in my head and I'm certainly not a mathematician. Oh, that's okay. Um, I can never think of it either. Cause I feel like people ask me, oh, how long have you been here? I'm like, uh, hold on. Since March, you figure yeah. it out. Yeah, I know. I'm just counting on my fingers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a teacher guys. Yes. Um, <laughs> I came here to teach your students and I'm not really sure when I got here, but let's I'm figure okay. it out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's been great. I feel like, um, it has been such an unexpectedly joyful season. Mm. Um, and certainly not perfect as you know, with everything, there's difficulties and hardships, but it has been, yeah, I think just unexpectedly joyful is the only mm. way I can describe it. Um, I have just so enjoyed um, my students, um, getting to know my different students. They come from all over the United States with their families who are missionaries, and they're here to learn Spanish before they go to their assignment. Okay. Um, and so that has been a great experience, just getting to meet kids from all over the United States. And of course their families who are from everywhere, but also going to serve, um, sure. in many different, um, countries and areas. 
And so that's been just great to get to know them, get to spend time with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also just, I don't, I don't know what it is exactly about this season that's joyful, but there's a lot of things. I think I've just, um, I think coming in with a little bit of language is really helpful um, because I can communicate now. Um, and so just things like making friends is easier, Mm -hmm. um, being part of a, I was able to find a great church, like week one of being here. Um, and so I feel like just joy has really marked this, um, this term. And I think it's not that I was expecting it to be miserable. I wasn't, you know, but I've been just like. Um, I think there's a title surprised by joy. Maybe that's C.S. Lewis. I don't know, but I've been surprised by joy this this term in, in good ways. And even in, even when I'm in hard, um, hard moments or facing, facing really difficult things, I feel like there's still just been such a sense of, of joy. And that, I don't know, maybe that's not clear. I'm just like joy, 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 but (laughs) I don't really know how how to explain it. Um, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm sure you have assumed level of difficulty, like you said, going into it, yeah. but it just feels like a sweet season. And maybe because you were actually praying for it, you know, like for this long of a time, you know, and that's kind of like an answer to prayer immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, and I, I could be, you know, I could be wrong, but I think there's also joy in just resting in God. Mm-hmm. And I was not as good at, at that before. And I know we talked about Sabbath, but I think being more intentional about Sabbath. And then also now I've been doing something called the daily office, which is just silence. Um, mm. A little bit of time of silence before God. And so I wonder, you know, I don't know, but I wonder if that's a part of it is that that rest brings joy mm. in a different way. And who knows? I mean, that could be it. It could just be a joyful season in general. I don't know. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think, I think you're right. I mean, uh, John Mark Comer states it in his book that there's this uh, article through the Huffington Post that there's a Seventh Day Adventist. I don't know if you've ever heard of that sect of Christianity. And um, so they do Sabbath like super specific. And um, anyways, I mean, maybe they have a, a few weird beliefs that I would disagree on or whatever. <laughs> but they, uh, they do Sabbath like they take it like like dead seriously, like, okay, this is going to be weird, but like Lane Kim from Gilmore Girls, you know what I mean? She was Seventh-day Adventist. (laughs) Very interesting. Wow. Yeah. So anyways, they take that very seriously. And on average, Seventh-day Adventists live 10 10 years longer than the average human. No way. Yep. So if you think about it, he broke it down this way. He said, you take a Sabbath once every seven days, you know, 52 times a year. 52 times 70, which is the average human lifespan, is about 10 years. Wow. That's wild. It's wild, right? Like I told some, I made a joke on Sunday. I was like, some of y'all believe some weird conspiracy theories. Why don't you try Sabbath on for try? You know what I mean? Like you want to live longer. Maybe it's not your oils. You know what I mean? Not, Not that I'm against the oils. Okay. I just made an enemy of somebody out there. I love that. This guy that assaulted awesome. my oils. No, <laughs> your frankincense is still safe, but I'm just saying maybe try a Sabbath. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh my goodness. But <laughs> that yeah, that awesome. it, you could be right. Like I, you could be right. It could just be like resting in God. I, I think that's biblical from scriptures. Like resting in God brings more joy. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but, but that's certainly been my experience. So, so yeah. thankful. <laughs> that's so cool. And I think it's really cool too. I want to highlight something that you are actually praying for missionary kids, like specifically, I think that's really, really cool and really important because I think a lot of times when we're going around and missionaries are traveling and they're speaking and they're sharing their story, we can forget that like, there's a lot of kids in this life, in this family. And it's important to pray for them because they're growing up with constant transition and constant change. And they're growing up having to see their parents serve in a way that normal people, I guess like people who living the American life will never see and never live. And so they're sacrificing as much as the parents are, um, which is just a huge sacrifice. And it's such a great like calling, but I think we need to pray for them. Like, I think it should be a practice. Like if you're listening to this and you're a praying person, you need to be praying for missionary kids because it's important. It's an important thing. Um, I believe we should send missionaries all over the world and have them here in America as well. And we should be praying for those kids because they're the future as well. You know, so I think, I would just want to say like that was important and that's something that I need to take on and do more. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love that you presented a call to prayer uh, yeah. for them just now to anyone listening. Yeah. I feel like so often, um, like you said, we do forget about, um, about the, the kids who are on the field too. And, um, and there's so much they go through, not just in transitions, um, but even just in, in their own grief and loss, mm. um, which I've seen, I've had kind of a front row seat to because when they first, when they come to Costa Rica, this is for many of them, their first time leaving home. So this is okay. where they come before they hit the field. And I think there are almost no days that go by because we, we read the Bible and we pray together every morning. Um, but there are very few days that go by where they aren't saying, where at least one is not saying something about, I miss grandma, I miss grandpa, wow. I miss my cousins, I miss, you know, Uncle John, I miss, you know, Auntie Junie or, or whoever it is, you know. And so in, in real time, they're continually processing grief while experiencing things like culture shock. Yep. And things like not understanding, not just what's going around them culturally, but also um, in also language-wise, because they're learning the language for the first time. And so there's just so much that's overwhelming about it. And then I think even once they hit the field, um, you know, to to nationals, they are American, but to Americans, they're so different you know, because they've yeah. grown up in another country when they come back. And so they're kind of always navigating these worlds. And um, I don't know, they, they do just go through, go through so much. And yet they're so resilient, so awesome. And so yes, such incredible, um, brave little humans that just, you know, that go, go with the flow and, and are on this, this grand adventure with their families, but they absolutely need prayer. And so yes, please pray for them if you're listening. And yes, well, and I love that. That's I've never thought about that. Like what you just laid out, like that's extremely enlightening. Um, and I think you can take a look at it two ways. You can look at it and you can say, oh well, I'm sad for them. Or 
you can look at it and say like, oh, what a sacrifice them and their family are making to share the message of the gospel. And I think one of the things that we hate the most in the American church is sacrifice. And there will always be a part of sacrifice in ministry. And in even if you're in listening to this and you're not in vocational ministry, but you're part of a church, there's going to be sacrifice. Now, there needs to be boundaries around that sacrifice so you're not getting used and burnt out like you, like we mentioned with Sabbath, but there is sacrifice and that sacrifice is difficult at some points. And it's, but that's why it's, I think it's so important to pray for missionary kids, pray for missionaries and support them, come alongside people like you who are literally doing this and, and training people to go everywhere. Like that's incredible. So I think that it just really, you can look at it and you can say like, man, I've never, like truly what you just said, I've never thought about that in that way. Cause I've never experienced what you just experienced, but you can look at it in a way of like, man, they're sacrificing too. And they're challenged and they're taking it in stride. Like they truly are. And that's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's so neat to see because they really are taking it in stride and it's, it's, Neat to also watch them over the years, those that have been on the field for a couple of years or five years or 10 yeah. years um, with a little more experience. They are just incredible because they are just the most brave kids you will ever meet. And it's neat because some of the, the hardships they experience turn into their strengths because I feel mm. like those kids can walk into any room and talk to anybody yep. and, and be comfortable in any situation because they're kind of used to navigating worlds. Um, so it's really neat to see, you know, the end result of what that, what those difficulties produce. Um, but it is a, it is a tough, a tough thing for, yes, for them. yes, <laughs> it is. I want to just end on like one final question. Like what would be something that you feel like it has been challenging and you've like, or something that's been encouraging to you. I know you touched on joy. I know you touched on things like through, like just trusting in Jesus lately that you can share, like maybe through your journey, it could be through growing up in Chicago or through what happened in Ecuador, or maybe through now in Costa Rica, but just like, what would be something that you feel like is really encouraged you to, to in your walk with God, like, like one of your whys maybe. I think something that has encouraged me is remembering, um, in fact, it's a phrase I say to myself now, God has a plan and this is going to be a great story. Mm. And so whatever hardship you're going through, whatever experience you're going through, um, whether you're in ministry or not, um, to keep to keep your eyes on Jesus. I, I'm talking to myself to keep my eyes on Jesus because it's so easy to get my eyes on the problem, on the situation, on how hard it is, on how hard it feels, um, whatever that may be, whether it's personal, whether it's in ministry or relationships or, or whatever. Um, mm. But I think just remembering to keep my eyes on him and to remember that God has a plan. And, and in the end, it's going to be a great story. Maybe not even on this earth, but God redeems everything. God redeems every moment. So often he does it on this earth. So often he takes our, our hardships and transforms them um, here on earth. But, but I truly believe that um, whether it's here or in heaven, God has a plan. Um, and 
if we can just remember that it's gonna be a great story, that he yeah. has written the whole story, the end is good. Um, he's he's in control. He's got you. He's got me. He's got us. Um, so that I guess that's what I would say. God has Come a- on. That's so good. <laughs> Levi Koistra, look out. You don't got the best saying on the podcast anymore. I mean, come on. No, I love that. That's incredible. You know, God has a plan and this is going to be a great story. Like that's something to write down and say to yourself, like, that's like, Hey, I'm trusting in God and this is going to be a great story. I don't know which way it's going. I don't know which way, but I'm just in for the ride. That is incredible. And I can't even that like, I might have to change the podcast branding to that. You know what I mean? TM right now, trademark that puppy. Monica, thank you so much for being here. Seriously, so many powerful things from your story. Thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Where They've Been. Man, I love that conversation that I got to have with Monica. It's super cool. Number one, yeah. she's from Chicago. So that was cool because I love my Chica Go Bulls people. Chica on, Go somebody. Bulls. The land that of soup. That was a deep cut new yep. girl reference. Right That's there. right. Come on, somebody. Young girl. Go Bulls. Young girl. Yeah. That means, no, it means young. It doesn't what mean, is it? Oh, it means young girl go bulls. Yeah, yeah that's right. Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Pop okay, yeah. Anyway, yeah, pop, um, pop, man. Yeah. Pop, pop. He's, stop calling my dad pop, This pop. is just the new girl. I think this is the new girl podcast. It's the new girl deep cut podcast. And deep cut podcast. When you listen to it, just wait for our references of, obscure references of new girl. So Well, absolutely. We're from Chicago. So while I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, I'm looking up, I'm thinking, mom, look at that. Why are you looking up? Looking up. Chicago. It's Chicago. It's, it's north. <laughs> it's north. It's north. Your mother's not dead. Why are you looking up? You're looking at Chicago. In Chicago. Oh, my Julius goodness. Pepperwood. Anyways, anyways, back to Monica's story. Yes. Man, she has an incredible story. I love to hear everything. Like the call. One of the things that I think stuck oh, yeah. out to me the most was she said, Hey, I had a good job. I loved, I love my church. I love my yep. community. I loved where I lived. And I loved my kids. She was a teacher, special education teacher. And she was like, I absolutely loved everything about it. But I knew that I had a call that I was supposed to do. Yeah. And it was kind of like, she's like, I had to take this step of faith and just step into it and just really actually leave my job, which is, I mean, just one of the scariest things wow. I think you can ever yeah, do and step into this this season of itineration, yep. um, raising funds to be able to go and be a missionary. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she went down and was a missionary and kind of led that home and, and worked with the missionary kids down there. I mean, it just was an incredible step of faith. So to me, right. that was one of the things that stuck out the most that she was like, Hey, you know what? I have this call. I'm not going to ignore it. Cause I think a mm-hmm. lot of people do have a call or have a passion for something. Yeah. They ignore their vision or their passion for kind of the security of the what comfort, I have. Yeah. I think, is, and maybe yeah, there's some yeah. wisdom to that. Like, for yeah, sure. you shouldn't quit your job when you have bills. That seems right. silly. But right. like, is God calling you to do something cool? And I think when he led her to do that and she yeah. took the faith, right. holy cow, that was crazy. She had an obvious deep conviction where it, on paper, that's crazy, right? Seriously. So like, why would you leave a job that you're secure at? The one that you love, exactly. it's different leaving a job that you hate and you're like, all right, God's coming somewhere else. Exactly. That's a little easier to leave that. 
when it's one that you actually love and you are getting fulfillment and yet God still says, that's great, but I've actually got something else for you. Exactly. So that was really cool just to hear how she followed. She was so obedient to that, to that voice for sure. Um, And I think one thing I thought that really struck, like stuck out to me was I usually listen to these, you know, as you send them to me, I, I usually listen to them when I'm either out on a walk or doing, you know, doing something outside, doing chores or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Like when I was listening to this, the part that she said, she said, rest brings joy, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I was literally raking my leaves. Like all of, I think of like what late, what late, what's the most laborious thing in my mind, it's like yard work or raking leaves or doing something like that. And I just it's made me, <laughs> it made me stop. I was like, wow, like that's good. Like we think of, we think of joy and you think of rest. And I don't know, I think in this world where we never want to stop moving the thought of rest, bringing joy. And this goes into the when you guys were talking about Sabbath, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like that is crazy. Like just the idea of rest and Sabbath is designed and meant for joy. And then when she brought up, what was it? The seventh or you might have brought this up, the Seventh Day Adventist thing mm-hmm. about like they live 10 times longer than just that whole thing. I'm not even surprised. Like, right. exactly. So it was just a good reminder of you know taking a sabbath because i think the majority of us are bad at it um and yeah just hearing how that's worked in her life as well as in yours too was really cool just to hear just just all that whole experience with it so it was a really good really good conversation yeah no i loved exactly what she said about the the sabbath i thought you're 100 on point like it brings joy but in a different way like yeah yeah and it's not like forced rest where it's like right. okay i have to slow down or right. it's not rest of like i'm just gonna you know binge something or whatever right. like it's like it's a rhythm so yes. it's not forced. It's a rhythm of this is what I do. Yep. And I'm certainly not good at it. I mean, I'm, right, I'm, I'm striving to be better at it, but it right. just seems like your plate fills up and then all of a sudden you don't have that day and, right. and, or you don't have that time and you fill it with something. It's yep. easy to fill it with something. Oh, easily, Cause something always has to get done. Exactly. There's always right. something more to get done. Exactly. You know? So hundred percent. So you fill it and then, you know, you end up, wondering why to me i end up wondering why do i have such a short fuse mm-hmm. why do i have such a you know a temper today or why do mm-hmm. i have such a bitter attitude right. for me i think when i'm unrested and when mm-hmm. i'm stretched thin is when i'm the most bitter yeah. and i'm the most insecure right because, and someone can say something that normally i just let roll off my shoulders but it bothers yeah. me for days and hours yeah. and i have to fight myself to not want to like be like what the heck why would you say that you know right right when they probably didn't mean anything by it no but i'm just not in the right state to be able to handle it yeah and i would say also with that like while i don't ever really get as angry as you do um i (laughs) to call you you know this from personal friends yes exactly um i will say this though I have a very similar reaction, but with anxiety, Mm. like I realize, like, oh, no, I got to I got to do something like if I don't like it just I start to fidget. I start to it just feels wrong not to be doing something, whether it's you know, it's not just like reading, like say like it can be like Sabbath can be a lot of different things. But for me, you you know, you know, when you're not taking a Sabbath, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're not resting, even if you're Mm -hmm. doing something that, quote unquote, might be relaxing. Relaxing does not equal rest. Mm-hmm. You know what That's I mean? Good. And so that was something that I've realized when I don't take a true Sabbath or have true rest, anxiety skyrockets that week. I'll realize yeah. why am I so anxious this week? It's like the Lord kind of brings back, well, did you actually have a Sabbath? Well, no, Saturday was busy. And then Sunday I had a lot of stuff to do. And it's sort of like we make our excuses, right? Mm-hmm. So 
that's that's how I always react to it. So it's just such a good reminder. Just say, hey, if I want that joy, Sabbath is almost the most easy route you can get to to be exactly. like intentionally take Sabbath to get a different kind of joy. Right, right. And it's interesting how it hits people in different ways. Right, exactly. Cool. Yep. You know, I mean, not cool, but it's just interesting. Yeah, like, exactly. Hey, that hits you in a different way. It hits me. It's going to hit somebody else different. So, right. But yep. how, how, what's the key to dealing with it? It's it's not. It, it's truly rest, but it's not rest in, like you said, like it's not just a book, but it's resting in Jesus It's mm-hmm. resting in who God is. Right. If you trust him that he fights your battles yeah. and he stands before mm-hmm. you and he goes behind you, that's when rest can be made. Yeah. It's not rest for rest sake. Right. It's resting yeah. God. And that reminds me, and that's perfect. I was just going to say, it reminds me of the whole David and Goliath thing. We always like to look at it like we're David. Mm-hmm. And our problem in front of us, so Jesus is David. Yeah, exactly. Like that's one of my favorite things. It's just like, no, like we're not David. Like Jesus is fighting our battles and he's the one slaying those giants. You know right. what I mean? And so just it's it's hard though, because we gotta learn. Let's rest in that. How do you truly rest in that when in a, in a right. world that is always working? That's well, I think the can, question. You know, and you can it's like it's you're not wired in this day and age to rest in God and let him fight your battles. Very true. You're yep. not wired that way. You're yep, wired exactly. to dox someone. You're wired yes. to so put them on social media blast right, or to text right. them or to yell at them or yep, whatever. Yep. Like you're wired to defend yourself. It's just a mm-hmm. human innate thing inside yeah. of you. You have that visceral reaction. Yeah. Yep. But And pride. Yeah, exactly. But that's <laughs> you know. where God comes in. He says, listen, we push that down and you allow me to take care of exactly. it. Exactly. You yep. allow me to try trust in it right and that's a level of rest and trust that i think can truly bring joy in any situation exactly so yeah i mean theme rest more that's right take a nap straight i mean and she basically kind of hit all the nails on all the heads with kind of everything she was talking about with that so yeah absolutely man And not only that, but just like everything she said, I thought was just phenomenal. I mean, she's doing incredible work. Also, we're going to throw the link in the bio to uh, she shared about the house that she's a part of um, or that she was a part of, excuse me, before and that she served at that we can give through there. And we're going to share her link as well. So if anyone who's listening to this, you want to participate in coming alongside her, we love and encourage you to do that. I think it's an incredible gift um, Mm -hmm. to be able to do that and to sow into someone's ministry who's helping people overseas and it's just an incredible thing so really want to encourage you to do that check that out in the bottom of the bio so i think both of us <laughs> I, I as i was talking your eyes started to close Yours so did like, too. you look like you look like a cloud you're starting to look like a cloud and on that note and on that note thanks for joining us for thanks another everybody. episode of where they've been see y'all bye